Dog meat cute. Famous cannibal Peter Thumpkins died on the electric chair on June 4, 1971. He had killed and eaten a total of 15 people during the summer of 1967. There was no discrimination between men, women, and children. His taste was based on convenience, which is why he was caught so fast. Upon his capture, he readily agreed to admit to his crimes in exchange for the possibility of making confession in a church. He never was granted such an opportunity, though a priest did come to his cell the day before they shocked his system. He didn't even ask for forgiveness for the killings. Instead, he asked for forgiveness for once throwing a lamp at his sick mother when he was a young boy. He was declined the final meal after telling them he would only eat the man that put him down. This was paired with a smile as they tied him up for his final charge. His final words were two beliefs that he was certain brought his life great satisfaction. One, believe in a higher power, he said. Two, never eat the brain. I wouldn't say Alistair was much of a cannibal himself, but he took these virtues to heart in his own practices. His parents didn't inflict a religion upon him at birth. They wanted to give him the freedom to choose his own. The day before his bar mitzvah, he decided Judaism wasn't his thing and he began to practice Buddhism. In meditation, he found so much peace he almost opted into becoming a monk. But Alistair loved to talk too much. That was why he followed through with his bar mitzvah. He wanted the celebration and the opportunity to deliver a 20-minute sermon on Noah's flood. It wasn't his Torah portion, but it was his favorite passage in the Old Testament. There was something about the animals lining up two by two. It was a carnivore's delight. In high school, Alistair's parents didn't pressure him to go to college, but they said if he wanted a chance at going, he had to work hard and build up his resume. Sports didn't interest him. Neither did theater, band, choir, student government, or any form of community service. One night, he had the idea to form a barbecue club. They'd meet every Friday after school and grill meat. Once a week, someone would be designated as pitmaster and cook brisket and pork overnight. Then the club would meet the next morning to consume the meat. The school was hesitant to purchase a $1,500 rotating smoker, so they promised if Alistair got a teacher to sign on board and he successfully held a meeting once a week all year, they would. Alistair knew exactly which teacher he was going to ask to step on board as sponsor of the club. His name was Mr. Alverson. Mr. Alverson weighed 300 pounds and his thick roast beef sandwich stunk up every math class he taught before lunch period. Over the course of the next year, Alistair grew close to a girl named Jenny. She was taller and skinnier than him but didn't have as much drive. They bonded over their love of meats and music. Alistair had his first beer at her father's house over a steak they both fried on the stove with thick slices of butter to really bring out the taste. Miles Davis' album Bitches Brew was playing along in the background. Alistair was so fond of the drums on this one track called John McLaughlin that he considered dropping barbecue for band. But he couldn't leave his baby. At this point, he was only five weeks away from the arrival of the rotating smoker. The prize was unwrapped on a Friday afternoon and the 50-person club joined to praise the gods for its deliverance. Since it was the first cook, Mr. Alverson appointed himself to cook the pork butts overnight. He even offered to sleep in a tent outside just in case anything went wrong. Whispers spread that the man just wanted the meat for himself, but no one was going to complain. They all wanted a party. Jenny's father had just adopted a new dog named Trix. 
He was a Jack Russell mix with something else that no one, not even genetic testing, could figure out. Alistair, Jenny, and Trick spent the whole night drinking. They had beers, then shots, then bottles of wine. Jenny passed out first, leaving Alistair and Trix alone. Alistair couldn't stop staring at Trix's left ear. There was something about his floppiness, like an old thin slice of pizza. He wanted to bite it off. When he woke up two days later, he was in the hospital. Jenny, Mr. Alverson, and the rest of the barbecue club were dead. No one knew you needed to add nitrites to the meat in order to prevent botulism from forming. Everyone in the club ate the meat and died as a result. The only one to survive was Alistair because he was in a coma. Jenny's father found him out the previous morning due to alcohol poisoning and sent him to the hospital. The whole experience was rather traumatizing for him. He reconnected to his Buddhism, continued meditating, and considered becoming a monk once again. On top of that, he cut out all meat and all meat byproducts. His life leveled out until he discovered dating apps about seven years later. It was a lonely night the first time he logged onto Thumper. He had just finished masturbating for the fourth time that day and felt like shit for all of his lost children. The app asked him to upload six different pictures of himself, but he didn't have any photos. So he played dress up and staged a bunch of selfies in his parents' home. To make things worse, he was jobless and only a high school graduate at the age of 23. No one was going to swipe on him according to the forums he was reading online. His solution was to Photoshop old pictures of tricks he had on a secret folder on his computer into his selfies. The whole thing took about three hours, but when he was done, girls popped up. Almost all of these girls had dogs in their pictures too. For the first time since his 50 classmates and Mr. Alverson passed on, he found himself fixated on all of these dogs' ears. They were so tender, so light, so floppy, so delicate, so juicy. They reminded him of sliced tongue other than the fact that they were covered in hair. He just wanted to jump into the photos and take a bite. Imagining the dog ear in his mouth put his mind in a whirlwind. He swiped right and right and right, imagining himself cooking all these girls' dogs in the slow cooker. But he'd be sure to use nitrites. No matches came in. He paid $100 to upgrade to unlimited swipes and a bunch of other features. Morning came and he finally received a match. Her name was Lily. She had a dog beside her in every photo. He didn't know what to do. The forums were filled with idiots yelling at each other. He couldn't ask his parents. All his friends had died in a freak accident years ago. There was nothing and no one to trust but himself and his hungry gut. You're cute, he finally wrote. But your dog is adorable. What's his name? Adorable, she said back five minutes later. You a pedo? What? He wrote back immediately. I just think your dog is a good-looking dog. JK, JK. His name is John McLaughlin. Oh, like the Miles Davis song. You know it? Nobody knows it, she wrote back. What's your fave track? That's my fave track, he said. Ha ha. What's your dog's name? She asked 20 minutes later. That's Trix, he said. Love of my life. You're kind of adorbs, Mr. Alistair. Heart emoji. Lily and Alistair spoke like this for another three days before deciding to get off the app and onto the phone. They texted for another week before Lily agreed to go on a dog date with her, John McLaughlin, Alistair, and Trix. Alistair didn't know what to do. Aside from the fact that he didn't have a dog, he hated Lily. She was so basic to him. All she did was complain about trivial things, 
attack her friends and family, and she didn't care about barbecue at all. Worst of all, she didn't know anything about music. She never even listened to Bitches Brew. It turned out her ex-boyfriend liked Miles Davis, and she named her dog after the album's track in case he ever came back. She just wanted to impress him. Alistair wanted John McLaughlin's ear more than anything, but was it worth potentially killing Lily over? He pictured himself entering her house, stabbing her to death, cutting off the dog's ears, eating them, and running home. The thought was the most disturbing series of images he'd ever concocted, and he wanted to whip himself for allowing it to ever enter his mind. The only thing he could think to do was pack up his bags, scrounge up his hidden cash, take a shot of vodka, and run. He didn't know where he was running to, but it would be a place of peace. It would be a place full of rainbows, a place where temptation didn't plague him. That's how Alistair met Charles Picklod in a monastery. Picklod was the only remaining son of Peter Thumpkin's final victims in the summer of 1967. He was just a baby when his parents and siblings were eaten. The knowledge that he was sitting beside this mayhem without consciousness of it veered his life along a path of drugs and alcohol until he found the monastery. He commended Alistair for withstanding his obscene desires and taking a road of peace instead. The two remained friends until at the age of 45, Alistair returned home to see his dying mother. She was thankful he was there for her, and he was thankful to be home. Most of all, he was thankful that her emotional support dog, Pitbull, had his ears bitten off in the shelter. There was no temptation, just love. Dog Me Cute comes out of my desire to write about cannibals and my frustration with dating apps. Now, there are some good people out there I've found since I wrote the story, specifically one good person. But before I met this person, I was just looking at nonsense. Everyone has the same pictures, everyone says the same things, everyone says the same answers to the same prompts. It's boring as fuck. Why is everyone so boring as fuck? It doesn't have to be that way. Be an, be an individual. Be unique. Show me who you really are. <sighs> I know I'm not the only one that feels this way. I talk about it with, with friends. I just, I don't know. And, and be honest. Like, show, who you, show your real face. I want to see what's real. I want to see what's real. I want to see what's unique. I want to see what's honest. I want to see what's individualistic. Everything is just so cookie-cutter on these apps. It's disgusting. I mean, that's the thing is, like, if I met these people in person, I would probably think that they're way better than I think they are looking at this profile. And it's so frustrating that we live in a society where meeting people in person is just, like, non-existent. And like I said, I've met someone on an app since, and I hope it works out, and I hope it continues to work out. So there is some goodness on these things if you keep up with it, if you keep trying, if you don't give up. But for the most part, you're just looking at nonsense. Why I wanted to tie this in with cannibals, I don't know. I, I don't want to eat dogs. I don't want to eat people. I just want to be clear about that. <laughs> that should be obvious, but if it's not, uh, now I'm telling you. Anyway, the next story is called Lactation. It's a... Uh, it's an interesting one. Not as interesting as dog meat cute. And by that I mean it's not as bizarre, but it's still pretty fucking bizarre. So story 23 is lactation. Thanks for listening. Thanks again. Goodbye.